This is Object to This, an Ace Attorney fancast. I'm Larry's six-year-old stunt double, Stephanie. I'm Jesse uh, exploding into Lake Gordy. I'm Michelle Marilyn Manson. I'm in this movie, too. <laughs> hey, you know what? Is there news? Boy, is there news. We watched the movie. We finally hit a thousand followers on Tumblr. <laughs> That's news. <laughs> Jesse's hey. quest has been completed. I've been trying to do this for six years. Okay, We've wait. been stuck we on 990. We got a timeout. There's a chunk of Jesse's hair right on the mic box. I can't lose <laughs> That's not that's not why I wanted to time out. I wanted to time out because I wanted to tilt it more towards Stephanie and drop the gain on the recording. So maybe there's news, maybe there's not news. We're recording this early. It's it's November 15th, 2019. So when you're hearing this, it's late. So this is the best possible window for news to happen because it means one, I won't catch it before the episode comes out, and two, you'll all be mad at me. So hey Capcom. <laughs> now's the time take your shots please announce the new ace attorney game between now november 15th and the end of the month for exactly the trolling me reason i know you listen to this podcast capcom <laughs> well-known document that you listen so come on do you think it'll work maybe it's worked so well for all of the merch ideas we've had well they don't See, this is the thing. They don't love us. <laughs> they listen, but they hate us. Yeah, so that's this, why they've only made different merch. This would be a great way for everyone to be super mad at us. <laughs> All ten of you. <laughs> They'll be super mad because they're like, why did you talk about the news? Because there's finally news. And we're going to be like, wait till December. <laughs> wait till the, yeah, that's your Christmas present, baby. We got to stretch you out. <laughs> yeah, we had to make you, you that present It's your need. Christmas and anniversary and birthday forever. Just like the gift of the Magi. Just, just like the gift of the Magi. Um, do we want to talk about anything else before we talk about what we're really going to talk about this episode? Uh, we gave a homework question last time. Yeah, you got to wait for December. You got to wait for December. <laughs> you got to wait till December. Get your answers in. Get your answers. Do you remember what the question was? <laughs> I wouldn't know. Give me a second. Jesse doesn't listen to this podcast. Jesse's name is Capcom. Who is the most sympathetic villain? Oh, you're right. The it was the who is the most sympathetic villain in yes. Ace Attorney. Um, so you have another month to answer that question. Um, so, uh, you know, you know, we in the dregs, we in the drought. When we finally get around to pro- empty promises, we actually are, are How making. How many years have we been making this promise? <laughs> when did this come out? Twenty twelve. All right. So since twenty twelve, we've been promising to watch the Ace Attorney movie, and we've done it. That was when this podcast was born. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so since our inception. Since our inception. <laughs> um. So we did it, Bam. Uh. I have a. We've watched it today. All three of us together. Just hot off the press. We just finished it. Jesse yep. has seen it before. I saw it five years ago, I think. And Jesse's impressions, I believe, at the time were it was good. Yeah, and, it was it was good. And before going into well, it, I heard it was it was all right. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I heard it was good when it when it came out because it was by a. I heard it was whimsical, right? I heard it was like by a famous horror director. Like Japanese horror director. That, that does explain so a lot. It explains a lot. We'll get into it. But it, so it's by a famous Japanese horror director. So everyone was like hyped. And then it was like whimsical. So everyone was kind of like, the people who wanted the horror director were like, eh? And then the Ace Attorney fans were like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, all right. How do we want to structure this for our listeners? Okay. Well, so, I mean, if you don't want to hear about the Japanese Ace Attorney movie... 
stop listening to the podcast, but honestly, you don't care. It's 2019. <laughs> Get with the picture. Or later. It's 2019 or later. So, like, you, come on. You don't care. Oh, yeah. You wanted to talk about this one note I had about Miles Edgeworth loves eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Oh, yeah. You're wrong. I don't know why this, this note is, is in my phone. Jessie had found a mysterious note in her phone that just reads, Miles Edgeworth loves eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. I don't know why Jesse said that. I was like, yeah, whatever. He probably wouldn't have opinions on that. And then I thought about it for two more seconds, and I'm like, no, he wouldn't fucking love that movie. There's no reason. He would think it's a bunch of bullshit about feelings, and he's like, uh-uh. I mean, I, it was in my phone. I don't know who put it there. You did. It's your phone. People grab my phone and play with it often. Who? Jing does sometimes. Jing does my it brothers. Right now. <laughs> my brothers on occasion. Brent rarely touches Brent my doesn't know who Miles Edgeworth is. No, he doesn't, but my brothers do. <laughs> okay. All right, well, if they want if they want to fight me on this, I'll fight them, but if anyone else wants to fight me, so, you, can, you know my email. If you extra credit homework is what are Miles Edgeworth's feelings on Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? I got no skin in this game, baby. I have never seen that movie. You good, baby. <laughs> So I'll be the neutral judge is what I'm saying. All but right. um I would like to talk about the plot and then talk about our feelings on it. But mostly because this movie was fucking bonkers. <laughs> it was two hours long. It was and they over so, two hours. It was so over two long. hours long and they jam slammed so much into it. And I know what you're thinking, which is like it's probably just like the anime where it's like similar but slightly different. And the answer is <laughs> well, what will I say? I will say it's better than the anime. I mean, it, I would watch this again. Yeah, I would yeah. watch this again, which I, I'm not willing to do with the anime, even though it's in English also. Yeah, right? no, I absolutely would not watch the anime again. Um, but it, it's fucking bonkers. So I guess, like, let's go through it. And if you have burning, passionate comments, you can address, we can address those during the synopsis. Also, um, we have to guess Stephanie's theory. We gotta do that at the end. So okay. the other thing we gotta do is Stephanie has had two running theories throughout the movie, and we gotta play a game called "Can well, Jesse Guess What That Theory Is." It's really one theory. Okay, then can Jesse guess what that theory is? Because Michelle thinks she's figured it out. <laughs> I don't think it was unclear. I think it was pretty clear. So, but let's if you have like necessary stuff, but if no. you want to be like Von Karma's hair look like shit, like let's save that for the end. Yeah, because it did. Yeah. Um. All right. So we start out. With, like, a dramatic horror movie style of Misty channeling Gregory Edgeworth in the channeling room in Corrine, surrounded by an audience and her children. <laughs> and so it's all dramatic. She's all twisty, like, the grudge and shit. And she's like, uh, you know, I was killed by. And, like, then we get a shot of hell. Shut up, Jesse. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> so we get a shot of hell. And it's not just regular hell. It's, like, food stamps during World War II hell. It's very Japanese hell. It's super Japanese hell. And there's like a beat. No, it's like very World War II, though, because there's a plane that flies over it. And it's oh, like yeah. fire in the background and buildings and everyone's in line. Um, and Gregory Edgeworth is in the line in hell. And so we get intercut between Misty's face and Edgeworth, Gregory's papa. I need to call him papa in this because I keep calling Miles Edgeworth in my notes. So I'm going to try and call Gregory papa. So... Mystery Papa, Misty Papa, I was killed by Yanni Yogi. And then we cut to Phoenix in the shittiest courtroom I've ever seen, covered in paper everywhere, with janitors and shit everywhere. And he's like two by two feet big. Yeah, two by two feet, facing off with pain in the first Larry Butts case, the thinker case, right? Mm -hmm. This is. Yes. 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 (laughs) 
It's the the one where he uh, killed his girlfriend. Frank yeah, saw it as the murderer. Yeah, that okay. Guy. So we're getting the back and forth cut between that case and Phoenix is struggling with the clock situation. He's like, oh, I was two hours off. And then cut to Edgeworth, Miles Edgeworth, in the courtroom doing the Steel Samurai case on his own against a different defense attorney. So he's the prosecutor in that case and arguably... What's her name? Uh, Dee Vasquez must have been charged from the start because Edgeworth is trying to prove her guilty. Yes. And successfully does so. Um, but that's what we're seeing is the montage cut. Phoenix is struggling. Edgeworth is nailing it. Phoenix is struggling. Edgeworth is nailing it. Then Mia shows up and she's like, Phoenix, you fucked up. Here's the thing you need. That was a little confusing. I thought Mia showed up to Edgeworth's case. I know. It was very confusing. <laughs> yes. Because we're doing the cuts. So. Uh, but she shows up to Phoenix's so, case. Yeah, so she shows up to Phoenix's case and she's like, actually, he had just come back from New York. So the two hour gap was logical. And then. So then we go out to the lobby and Larry is like comically trying to get all the reporters to pay attention to him because he just got the not guilty and they don't care. Because <laughs> it's so, Larry. So Phoenix and Mia are like, stop embarrassing yourself. And he's like, thank you, Mia, because I would have never, ever gotten, like, gotten off without you. And Phoenix is like, I was your lawyer. And Larry's like, she did all the work. <laughs> like, she's the reason I'm, I'm, which is true. Meanwhile, Miles is done with his trial and he goes to Manfred's office and meets with Manfred very stoically and somberly. And he says to Manfred, um, I always dreamed about being like you when I grow up, which seems to me like a weird thing for two adult men. (laughs) (laughs) Two adult men who've known each other like father and son to say to each other at this juncture. But okay. Um, Although that's never made clear that they're like they have a father son relationship in this movie in any way. I'd argue they don't in any version. No, no, no. But you know what I mean. The adoption. The adoption thing is not clear. No, it seems. Actually, it's left out completely. I believe so. So it just seems like Edgeworth's a fucking weird man for Von Karma fanboy because he dresses like him and he acts like him. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little fucked up uh, in a different way. Better or worse? I don't know. Um, So anyway, we cut to like that evening. Everybody's done. Um, Mia is in her office working on her own mysterious case and she's stuck and she like prays to the thinker statue because Larry gave her the thinker like in the game. Um, Prays to the thinker statue for help and then she like gets a flash of inspiration and then runs to what I thought was the basement of her building that was full of creepy ass clown masks and shit (laughs) but actually is secretly an evidence locker way somewhere else. Um, And then she, she finds something in a baggie like not a note and then she's we cut to her running through, like, this dank-ass subway hallway, sewer drippy grade. sewer, and she's on the phone, but we just hear it over a voiceover, and she's like, we got a big case coming, like, this one's gonna be really tough, um, and someone's following her, and it looks like Marilyn Manson, <laughs> slash The Crow, from the movie The Crow, slash Iggy Alice Pop, C- but, like, Cooper. in the old days, slash Alice Cooper. You look like Alice Cooper, mostly, to yeah. me. <laughs> so, Alice Cooper is there. Marilyn Manson, Alice Cooper is there. And so it's like, oh. Marilyn Cooper, please. So I was like, what the fuck is this? So anyway, Marilyn Cooper. Cut to Phoenix. He's going upstairs to the office. And he tries to get the elevator, but the door's closing. And who's in there? It's Maya. But the door closes. Mystery. And so he finally gets upstairs. And uh, Mia's dead. But she's moving because the actress isn't. Either isn't that good or they're trying to insinuate she might be still alive. 
She was totally moving. She, she was twitching, I would say. She was, yeah. I guess so. So she's moving. Phoenix think, runs over yeah. and is like, what the fuck? Are you, like, alive? And he, she's not. And then Maya's there and she's like, what? And he's like, I, I didn't do it. I, I got called a cop. So he runs to the phone. Phone's dead. The phone's not dead. The phone's, phone's broken, broken in pieces. Phone's broken. And um, then Gumshoe's immediately there. Yeah. Then the, he turns around. The door gets busted open. Turns around. Cops kick the door open. And he's like, it wasn't me. And Gumshoe's like, put your hands down. It was a woman. There's a witness. And then Marilyn Cooper <laughs> is across, across, across the window. The window um, and pointing. Pointing still. Like he called the cops and waited 15 minutes. And so they arrest Maya. And the way Gumshoe does this, I will say, is Maya's standing over there. And Gumshoe from over by Phoenix holds up his handcuffs and says, Maya Faye, you're under arrest. And then waits a few minutes before arresting her. And takes no further action. <laughs> Um, so Maya's in the detention center, which I will say is literally out of Silent Hill. Yeah. <laughs> Resident Evil, pick your poison. That detention center is like, the walls are, are all dingy and melted. It's all solid concrete. The window takes up most of the room. There's like a, like a little desk height, um, Lip. ledge where the yeah. microphones are. And so if you're seated, like that's at normal desk height. Um, and then from there down, it's like more shitty, grimy concrete, but the window takes up the whole wall and yet it is frosted with grime all around the edges, Uh like perfectly polished in the middle, fucking grungy (laughs) as hell all around it. So Maya, Maya's being held in Silent Hill. Um, the, the, so she, she just instantly agrees like, okay, you can be my lawyer. It's cool. And then Phoenix goes to talk to Gumshoe at the police center that's the only place he investigates he hears the phone call that maya made to mia um which is basically like you're coming for christmas aren't you you like toys i got a toy for you and then he looks at the autopsy report that's the only investigation we do time for court go to court um gumshoe testifies uh the autopsy report is updated like we get him on the you know the same thing as in the game mm-hmm. we get him on the autopsy report and then we call the next witness who is Alice Cooper or Marilyn Manson that's red white everybody <laughs> yeah we just skipped mm-hmm. to that's red white huh i thought when the witness thing happened i thought that that Marilyn Cooper was going to be the bellhop and i was like that's the worst bellhop i've ever <laughs> seen but no it's red white so that's terrible we basically only cover the thinker clock contradiction and the lamp receipt in Red White's testimony. Um, and that seals the deal, because those are the only two things you need, really. Like, yeah. the la- once you get to the lamp, it's done. And Maya channels Mia. Um, and Phoenix freaks out, and that's fine. And But he does it. So then Red White's arrested. Um, and the not guilty pops up, and there's real confetti. Like, yes. real confetti from the sky. Um, and then the courtroom kind of clears out, and Maya freaks out. And starts screaming at him, like, why'd you kill my mom? Or, like, why'd you kill my sister? Does it have to do with the thing with my mom 15 years ago? What was it? What happened 15 years ago? And she's just screaming at him, trying to go at him. And the cops are, like, taking him out. Um, Phoenix is holding her back. Um, so, after that, Maya and Phoenix have a heart-to-heart in the shitty shack where Larry works over by Lake Gordy. And um, she's really sad. And he's like, I'm going to keep going with Mia's investigation because it seemed really important. She was looking into something. Um, meanwhile, Phoenix goes over files, like, afterwards, he goes over files in, um, in his office. It's Christmas Eve, 
So you know what's happening outside. Edra's in a boat getting <laughs> shot at. <laughs> like, at the same time. So it's like, Phoenix and Files. Edra's in a boat. Phoenix and Files. Gunshot. Whoa. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> It was great. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Um, so next day, Maya bursts in, wakes up Phoenix. She's like, Telly V, Telly V, Telly V, Telly V, turn on the TV, turn on the TV. So she turns it on and it's like the some tourists being like, we had a picture of Gordy. Gordy's real. And she's like, he's like, what? And she's like, not this. And then it shows Edgeworth being arrested. And he's like, fake news and runs outside. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to the detention center and... Um, Talks to Miles, and Miles is like, get the fuck out of here. I'm going to, like, no. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. I didn't want you to see me like this. Don't look at me. So I was like, oh, it's still gay. But he goes outside, um, and Miles like, how did it go? And he's like, well, he's going to get a better attorney. (laughs) And Gumshoe rolls up immediately, and he's like, there are no better attorneys, pal. (laughs) And it's in this wonderful, like, backlit silhouette yeah. alleyway that this whole scene happens with It Gumshoe. reminded me of, like, a horse stable. Like, <laughs> I don't know why, because of the doors and shit, but I it, thought it was a parking garage. But, yeah, so Gumshoe's it's essentially, like, Miles, um, all the other defense attorneys in town hate him because he got all their clients guilty, um, and, and the reason why he's like this pal is because he respects the police and justice so much, so, like, that's why he's a hard-ass, so I would really love it if you helped him, please, and then he bows all deep and stuff. Um, so Nick's like, hell yeah. Um, they go to the beach. Maya's fucking around with the cameras trying to find Gordy, right? And she screams into the microphone, uh, which like, wakes up Lada from her hippie car and hippie tent. Like, Lada's, like, just a straight hippie. She's yeah. she's nothing else but a straight hippie. Um, she realizes she has the pictures, uh, but she's like, oh, hell yeah, I get to be a witness. Uh, and Phoenix is like, but could you tell us what happened first? It shows the pictures. And she's like, no, I'm on the side of the police and justice. Get out of here. Get out of here, criminal. So, um, nearby, Larry's listening to his little portable radio and he's like, we know who the victim was, buddy. And so Phoenix rips the headphone jack out and it's like, Roger Hammond, who was the prosecutor, or who was the defense attorney one time when Miles Edwards' dad was murdered. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Yeah, that's how that, that yeah, story went. Basically, it's went. basically like straight up like, oh, the dude who's only noteworthy for Miles Jensen's dad's murder. <laughs> um, so that's fine. And Phoenix has like a, you know, a giant brain moment where he's like, oh, Mia's case and Edgeworth's case are all connected DL6. And so that we continue. Phoenix goes back to talk to Edgeworth. And Edgeworth says he's dangerous and that Bella shouldn't be around him. Oh, no. How did I write that? What? <laughs> <laughs> Wrong movie. I wonder why you stop paying attention in a bit. <laughs> Edgeworth says you shouldn't be involved with this. It's dangerous. <laughs> Meanwhile, Larry and Maya are outside bonding um, about the school trial incident. Basically, like, I wonder why Nick became a defense attorney. And Larry's like, Whoa. Well, do I know the answer to that question? But why is Edger the prosecutor? Who knows? Blah, blah, blah. Um, Phoenix, uh, so Edgeworth finally caves and because Phoenix also is talking about the class trial with him and he's like, the only reason why I care about justice and shit is because of that class trial one time, Edgeworth. I don't care how dangerous you are. I love you. And so, uh, Edgeworth's like, fine. And Phoenix is like, tell me what happened on the boat. So he goes over like, I got this note from Hammond. I went and met him on the dock. Um, we went out on the boat. Then he tried to shoot me. And then he was just gone. <laughs> like, 
Whoops a doodles. So I rode back I picked up the gun and got my fingerprints all over it, and then I rode back to the shore. So then we cut to court. Like right before court. We're on the dramatic staircase and mm-hmm. Phoenix and Maya are standing there and and Ma- Von Karma's walking up and Maya's like, Who's that Jabroni? And Ma- Phoenix is like, Oh my god, he's the best prosecutor ever. He's been he's been undefeated for forty years and also he only ever took one vacation ever. Yeah, that really weirded me out. Yeah, it did. <laughs> Like, why is Phoenix an, a Manfred von Karma fanboy? Fan yeah. He is a law fanboy. So they come up on the stairs, which seem to only be for shit talking in front of the cameras, I guess. But Manfred is either intentionally or unintentional or like deceitfully really nice. And he like shakes his hand and stuff. And he's like, you know, I couldn't be happier that Edgeworth has a good defense attorney. And you know, I hope good luck in the trial, which all sounds facetious to me, but I know too much, right? Right. So, Lada's the witness. We get into court. Lada's the witness. Phoenix gets her on the Christmas versus almost Christmas. Uh, and then asks, um, did you see what happened? And she's like, what are you talking about? The photos are right there. And he's like, but did you see it? And and Manfred's basically like, redundant questions are a mockery of this court. Don't ask her the same question ever again, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, do not repeat questions. And the judge's like, well, be careful what you say, defense. You know. And so Phoenix is at a loss for words for a second. And then the judge is like, well, sounds like this cross-examination's over. <laughs> Time to move on. And then Maya jumps up in the middle of the gallery, starts screaming questions at Lada, like, like this is life or death. Like, what? are you sure you saw him? And she's like, yes, I'm sure I saw Miles Edgeworth, prosecutor right there, him. I saw him. And so Manfred's like, I would like the defense to be found in contempt of court. And everyone's like, oh, shit. And Edgeworth objects and he says, well, the defense attorney over here didn't say it. It was that lady in the gallery who said it. So she should be escorted out. So they do. You can find other people in contempt. I don't know why they didn't find her in contempt. They just kicked her out. But that's fine. That's Manfred. That's Manfred. So Lada's like, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, and Phoenix is like, oh, that's new testimony. So I get to cross-examine her on that piece of, of testimony right there. Um, and Phoenix is like, so you're sure you saw him? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, well, it was really foggy and dark out. And she's like, well, I had binoculars. And he's like, well, it was really foggy and dark out. And <laughs> she's like, you're right. Shit. I just thought it'd be really cool to be a, a witness. And then she flees the courtroom. <laughs> like, literally runs away. Yeah. And she, I think she says sorry to Edgeworth on the way out. She or, does. Yeah. yeah. She's like, I'm sorry. And then she flees. Uh, and so Phoenix is like, well, Hammond could have shot himself. And the judge is like, extra day of investigation, gavel, gavel. (laughs) (laughs) So we investigate the lake, like Phoenix goes noodling, and then we investigate a creepy shack, and it's creepy, and there's lots of creepy music, Um, but nobody's in there. (laughs) Like, it's empty. Yeah. Um, And then we investigate the steel samurai inflatable that Larry fucked up, and it's got like a boil on the side of its face now, and he's like, funny story the other day, I overfilled it, and that's Gordy. Yeah. And Maya's like... Making the weirdest fucking face. <laughs> when she learns it's Gordy, she's not, like, disappointed. She's just making a super weird face. Anyway, we, t- like, in the middle of this whimsy scene, we just do a quick hard cut to Gumshoe in an interrogation room with Red White, who has duct tape on his mouth, but with a with zipper, zipper on, on it. it. Don't worry, that's never explained. Never. <laughs> Court day two. <laughs> like... Yanni Yogi testimony. Like, we bring up Yanni Yogi, but we don't know his name. And so he's like, I don't remember my name. Phoenix is like, the fuck? He can't testify. He doesn't know his name. And Manfred's like, he can't remember months ago. He can remember three days ago. This works. The judge is like, <laughs> yeah, that works. Yeah, the judge is like, this checks out. I'm into it. 
Um, so Yanni Yogi testifies that Edgeworth was leaving the lake, like, next to his little shack, and Edgeworth got out of his boat and said, never thought I'd shoot someone. <laughs> <laughs> and Edgeworth objects, because he's like, I would never say that. Oh, and, he, well, they're like, are you sure it was him? And he's like, yeah, he's all frilly and shit. Flutters, and right? Flutters. He, I, he's fluttered, that fluttery guy. And so he's like, I'd never say that. Also, I don't flutter very much, which is one of the famous... There's yep. a couple of gift moments commonly in this movie, so that's that one. Um, so, too bad. Uh, declared guilty. <laughs> which I'll say, there's no holographic lettering or confetti when you're declared guilty. <laughs> nope. They just say guilty. So Larry starts up in the back and starts screaming, like, actually, I just remembered that I heard gunshots and I'm a witness. Surprise! And so... Manfred's like, you can't... Manfred's like, what the fuck is it? You can't reverse a guilty. And Phoenix is like, come on, judge. Not hearing this witness would be... Would be not doing justice. I would say prejudicial, but that's probably too much of a real lawyer word. (laughs) And so Manfred's like, no case can ever be undone, ever. Like, no verdict overturned. The judge is like, well, verdict overturned. I'm going (laughs) to, let's continue. So Larry gets up and says he witnessed it. He was looking for the Gordier tank, gives his almost Christmas testimony from the game, right? Except instead of a sexy announcer, it's a gross old man announcer this time. <laughs> Don't know why the movie did that, but... Um, so Manfred makes a fuss, but Phoenix accuses the unknown person, right? The person who stood up and couldn't remember anything. He's like, well, there there was a gunshot before midnight. There's two gunshots after midnight. I accuse that guy who didn't have a name. Uh, but he's gone, and so, like, the judge is like, well, we'll continue the trial. And briefly, they're like, well, what happens if he is not here tomorrow? Like, if we can't find him? He's like, well, I guess you're guilty. That's <laughs> how it goes. Gavel, gavel, gavel. Gavel, gavel, gavel. So Gumshoe is immediately like, we took measures, pal. We're here. And he, he doesn't say pal in this no, movie, no. but I'm, I'm filling it in for him. So he's like, we took measures. And so we cut to outside. Gumshoe's leading an army of police officers <laughs> to theoretically scrape the whole city. There's right? at least 20 men behind him. Like, yeah. marching. It's, yeah. like, nuts. So, um, they're, the police are doing a manhunt. We cut to Yanni, who keeps his parrot in a storage locker in a bus station? Like, one of those little ones? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what that was. Yeah, that was weird. Um, so, anyway, Yanni's going to the parrot. Um, Phoenix and Maya investigate the shack, and they find, like, a document that is the, don't forget, DL6 document. Yeah. Uh, and then they're tased. In Yanni Yogi's hut. In Yanni Yogi's um, shack. We cut back to Edgeworth. And um, Phoenix is on the ground, kind of shaking his head in the detention center, Silent Hill. Edgeworth's like, that sounds about right for you, you fuck. Like, basically, <laughs> he got tased, woke up, and was like, Edgeworth, I got tased! And Edgeworth's like, yeah, you sure did, because you're irresponsible. <laughs> okay. Now come sit in this chair, let's talk. So he's like, he's like, okay, well, I'm going to call Red White to the stand tomorrow, Edgeworth. I've already filled out all the paperwork. Like, it's connected to DL6 because we found this note in the shack. So, like, everything is connected. And so Edgeworth flashed back to his daddy. Papa Papa Edgeworth lost to the Von Karma case in this universe. He goes, and but he lost and he must be suspicious. So he goes to the evidence lockup and little Miles follows him there. And that's where the fight with Yanni Yogi happens is in this creepy-ass evidence lockup. And it's a little kung fu-esque. It is. Yanni Yogi knows kung fu like it's nuts. So Edgeworth was like, uh, Papa Edgeworth was investigating a gun, which of course you pull open the storage like container and it's LED lit in red and there's just a gun laying there, right? Um, So they have this fight and then Edgeworth grabs, Miles grabs the gun and points it at his dad and then we cut back to, to real life where Maya's like, Phoenix, 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 Red White was killed and or committed suicide in prison. 
And then we get a flash of the dead body, which has a razor blade in its mouth, and its limbs are all fucked up, and... His shoes falling off. His we, shoes we off. We saw him getting fed food in, like, during this, like, talking to Edward scene, and it looked like a bowl of miso and a bowl of cat food. I and think he it sat was down rice, to... but yeah. It looked like fucking cat food. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, the um, insinuation down... is that he was poisoned? I think so. I didn't see a razor blade in the mouth, but it looked like it was all bloody, but it was like a block of fake I blood. I swear to God, I saw a razor but blade. But I, I, I might have just not seen it. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, but regardless, so, like, So this is devastating. Happened. He's dead. Though. He's dead. This is devastating. We Rest to... in peace, Alice Cooper. Yeah, <laughs> rip Alice Cooper. <laughs> we cut to prison, um, not prison, we cut to Phoenix in his office reading. Dramatically. Okay, court. <laughs> He's, like, reading about, like, details about Yanni Yogi, right? What yeah. his wife's name was. Stuff like that. Um, so we go to court. We can't find Yanni Yogi. And Manfred's like, well, they can't find him. And uh, Phoenix is like, well, I call Larry back to the stand. Manfred's like, stop buying for time. Phoenix is like, but I would. And he's like, stop buying for time. <laughs> but it's okay, because... Um, the, the judge is right about to rule, and the blue badger sticks is who is in a bodysuit. Like the blue badger is a mascot character, a la football games, right yeah, in this like universe. Is, yeah, the, he has been around. This He's been around, and he follows Gumshoe around like an entourage, right? <laughs> so like a mascoted person. So anyway, the blue badger creeps up his hand and sticks it under the gavel. And the judge is like, "What?" And then Gumshoe busts in, and he's got Yanni Yogi in the the bird cage. Um. And then we cut back to the like a big view of the court so you can see everyone. And the blue badger outfit is empty on the ground. Like the head is rolling. We watch it fall. No one was in. Yeah, we watch it fall. No one was in it. This upsets me immensely. <laughs> we don't talk about it. We never see the blue badger again. We never see that. the blue badger again. We nobody in the universe talks about it. Okay, let's no continue. <laughs> so so we find Larry like Yanni Yogi and he's like, it's not like I ran away. I just had to go feed my bird. And so he's, they're going to make him testify. Yeah, so he's testifying, and he's like, I don't know who I am. And Phoenix is, like, trying to prove it. So he's like, what's your bird's name? Polly. Well, that's your dead wife's name. You're Yanni Yogi. And Manfred's like, fucking prove it. And so he can't prove it with... Um, fingerprints. Fingerprints. Because fingerprints. Edwards is like, fingerprints, you idiot. And yeah. he's like, right, fingerprints. And Yanni Yogi's like, mm, mine were burned off. In my old factory yeah. job. No, no, he said mine were burned off. Manfred says... In his old factory job. That's right. Yeah. So we call the parrot to the stand, surprising yeah. no one. Um, the parrot says, like, birth, like, birth, and then some numbers, and then death, and then some numbers, and then, you know, like, marriage, and then some numbers. And luckily, those dates correspond exactly with Polly Yogi's dates. And so Phoenix pulls it up on the screens, and it, like, auto-highlights, and it's very fancy and nice. And Manfred's like, coincidence! And the judge is like, yeah... <laughs> I guess it is a coincidence. Because the name thing, Manfred was like, coincidence. And the judge was like, yeah, that's kind of a coincidence. And so now the judge is like, I guess it's a coincidence. Um, so Phoenix flounders around a bunch. And then he says, sorry. Like, I, I'm sorry, Polly, basically. He's like, I'm sorry, Parrot. I couldn't do this. And then the Parrot says, I love you, Yanni. And so he keeps saying sorry, and he keeps saying, I love you, Yanni. There's a lot of times when this actor is dealing with this parrot, and it's not going well, I will say. Like, this is not easy. Um, So Yanni starts freaking the fuck out, and then we have a flashback about, like, what happened with Yanni Yogi, which is he was accused of Gregory's murder. Mm -hmm. And his attorney was Robert Hammond, and Hammond said, like, you can't get a guilty because it'll, like, make my firm look bad, so we're going to make you look insane, so you get a not guilty. And... 
Yanni's like, but I actually didn't do it. And he's like, doesn't matter. We're going to make you look crazy. You're going to admit to it. And we're going to make you look crazy. So you get off. And that happens. And then him and his wife are like harassed and, and lots of like graffiti all over their house saying like, get out of here, murderer and stuff. So we get a, a scene of, of Yanni coming home and like dinner is out and under a cover and he's looking for his wife and she's hanged herself because of shame of shame or trauma or harassment or who knows like why so he's fucked up about it so he gets a parrot and he teaches it to say like when he says i'm sorry holly, sorry, holly. it says you, i love you yanni so it's all very sad um and so he's like during this maya is having like oh shit my mom did channel somebody who said it was yanni yogi didn't it mm. so maya has that moment and Yanni continues with, like, I, I received this box in my shack that said, here's how you get revenge on Hammond and Ed and Miles Edgeworth, who ruined your life. And it's like, here's the acid, burn your fingerprints off, here's a gun. So it gave him, like, specific instructions. So we cut back to the court, and he's still freaking out, and he sees the ghost of his wife, but with a birdcage for a head. And she says the thing, right? Like, I love you, Yanni. And he's crying on the floor and stuff. So it's very upset. So the judge kind of casually to himself says, well, then who killed Gregory Edgeworth? And fucking Miles from across the room is like, me! (laughs) Excuse me, sir, that was me. I did it. Um, So he's like, the judge is like, great, gavel, gavel. Charges for Robert Hammond's murder are dropped of Miles Edgeworth, but we are charging Miles Edgeworth with the murder of Gregory Edgeworth. Let's take a ten-minute recess. Yeah. uh, He doesn't even gavel. He kind of just goes, all right, fucking Robert Hammond's (laughs) over. That's true. Yeah, it doesn't Ra- even gavel. Robert Hammond's over. Um, so Wait, isn't it Richard Hammond? Sure, whatever. Hammond. He's not important. <laughs> no. We don't care about him. So we go back to presumably Edgeworth's office. It's a There's big a old room. Yeah, it's a big old giant luxurious room except the radiator in the corner. And there's a piano, and Maya's playing the piano, like, expertly. Yeah. And Phoenix and Miles are talking. Phoenix is, like, shuffling papers and reading books, and, and Edgeworth is just, like, Cool it, man. Like, I did it. I, I, you know, like, I I did it. I threw the gun and it shot him. Phoenix finds a picture of the gun, which made Stephanie lose her shit. I don't know why. Uh, It was, I don't know. It just seemed like such a, like, planted photo. It didn't feel like, oh, he found a photo of a gun. The photo of the gun was super zoomed in and almost cartoonish. I don't know. It was, yeah. But anyway, we go back to court. Extra round. That's what it says across the screen. It says extra round. Phoenix confesses, or Edgeworth confesses, and then Phoenix is like, well, the gu- when the gun was put in the evidence locker, it had two bullets, and then when it was, or it, ha- it was full, and then when it was removed from the evidence locker, there were two bullets gone. So there were two bullets shot, basically. Like, where where was the other bullet? And and the judge is like, well, no one was injured. Like, Miles Edgeworth wasn't injured, and Yanni Yogi wasn't injured. So, uh... There must be, and Manfred's like, there was no other bullet recovered. And so Phoenix is like, there must have been another person that was injured. And they're like, no blood or whatever. And then he mind melds like, you know, figures it all out. And he's like, the other person took the bullet with them. They got shot and they took it out. They couldn't leave the bullet behind. And so he figures out also, he's like, it was you, Von Karma. And then he's like, Von Karma's like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, if it wasn't you, then you'll casually submit to this metal detector test that this rando in the audience Larry Butts has. Well, though, before that, he goes, oh, it was you, Manfred. You were shot. And he goes, I admit I was shot, but it's irrelevant to this case. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, Manfred, very stable genius Manfred Von Karma <laughs> is like, oh, yeah, I'll admit I have a bullet in me, but it's unrelated. <laughs> but 
No, that's after oh, so they find it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they run the metal detector and they find the bullet in the shoulder. And he's like, I will admit that is a bullet. Yeah, okay, But it's right. completely unrelated to DL6. And Phoenix is like, run ballistics. And he's like, uh, so we're all like, good job, Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> you did it. Um, and they're like, the bailiffs who are all in gray zoot suits, I'll tell you. <laughs> like, whoa. And they all look like about 12 years old. Um, yeah. The bailiff runs in and he's like, can't find it. <laughs> Guns missing, and and Manfred's like, "Wow, real shame." <laughs> <laughs> and and so Phoenix like gets all angsty on his desk, and he knocks over the thinker by accident. Um, and then the thinker breaks, and it's so Mia at the very beginning of the movie stole the bullet, the other bullet, the one that was in evidence, stole the evidence bullet, hid it in the thinker, and he's like. Manfred, before anything, he's like, well, don't worry, I have the evidence bullet right here, Mia Faye stole it and put it in the thinker statue. And Manfred goes, well, I was shot by the same gun, but it was unreal. <laughs> <laughs> Unprompted. Unpro- like, we hadn't even got there yet. He's like, oh, don't worry, it was the same gun. Um, and then Phoenix also, like, galaxy brains again, and he's like, well, the, the gun that shot Gregory Edgeworth to death was presented in the trial where Van- Von Karma beat Gregory Edgeworth. The gun was the decisive piece of evidence to show that that Gregory's client committed the crime. They don't even say what it was, like, committed the crime. And so Gregory had a hunch that it was doctored. The ballistics on in that case were faked. So he went down to get the gun in order to test the real ballistics and compare them. So Phoenix is like, luckily, I have this bullet right here, and we have the evidence that Mia also stole, which is the gun ballistics in that case, so we can compare the two. And Phoenix throws the bullet in the air, and it gets really, like, deep scanned, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, And And they compare... The bullet is the bullet they pulled out of Gregory Edwards' body. Correct. So that's like, it is the legit bullet that killed Gregory because they pulled it out of his body, so we know for sure this is that bullet. Right. So they, like, do the scan, and they compare the two, and the the monitor comes up, like, 0% match. So it's proof that Von Karma faked evidence in that case. So then we cut and we see, um, like, what really happened, which is, like, Edgeworth, like, kind of like the elevator, but in an evidence locker, basically. It's like yeah. the fight's happening. Miles throws the gun. It bounces off Yanni Yogi and shoots mm-hmm. through a door and hits, my, or hits Von Karma, who screams <laughs> <laughs> extremely loudly. Um, and then Von Karma goes in Grabs the gun off the floor and shoots at uh, Gregory. Um, so we see that. So Von Karma's, like, beaten. He has a very quiet break where he says that Phoenix has a stupid face. <laughs> and he says, your stupid face looks just like his stupid face. And then he goes off on a tirade about how, like, prosecutors do this because um, scum, like, to get the scum off the street, right? Like, yeah, classic yeah. Von Karma reasoning. I have to lock everyone up because anyone who would be accused of a crime is worthy of being locked up. And then Phoenix quietly objects and says, no, our job is to find the truth. The judge declares him guilty. Von Karma's escorted out. The judge says, get, get, doesn't even say he's guilty. He says, get him out of here. Get him out of here. Well, he's got to be tried, I guess, in yeah. a separate trial. But so get him out of here. Van, Manfred is escorted out. Um, we have a, like, not guilty. Confetti, you know. And then we cut to Phoenix and Maya and... Edgeworth kind of chilling out in the gallery chairs as they are sweeping up the confetti from the floor. And they're not talking, but we hear voiceover of them having talked, which is Maya being like, well, my mom channeled your dad and failed. 
And Phoenix is like, no, she didn't fail. The last thing Gregory Edgeworth ever saw was his son holding a gun. So he lied to protect his kid. And Edgeworth is like, well, I never wanted to be like my dad because I thought he was a liar. So I wanted to be a prosecutor. Like, I thought he forged evidence and was a liar. So my life is a lie. You know, you know, yeah. classic Edgeworth stuff. Then we have a... a a friendly handshake. <laughs> we have a, we have a like you're a worthy opponent handshake between Phoenix and Edgeworth. Later, we all leave, and Maya's like, "So wait, there's one more mystery here," and we're all like, "Oh yeah, it's red white, right?" What happened to the lunchroom? <laughs> it's like, wait, no, it's the class trial, the classroom, yeah. Um, let me back up. So red white in this universe is a journalist who smeared Maya's mom after the channeling. Oh, yeah. Yes. That's what was revealed. So it was basically like Maya's mom did the thing. It was proven that Yana Yogi was innocent because he was mentally unstable, remember? Um, so then the journalist wrote a bad news article and that shamed the Karine family super bad. Uh, that one bad News article. Anyway, so, but the class trial. And that's when Larry goes, well, I just used the money to buy a toy. It was like 400 yen. It's fine. And they both go like, what? My entire life is based on that class trial and it was used all the money, Larry? I thought it was because you stuck up for me. And then they like have a comical like Phoenix running after him thing. Yeah. And then we have a big old goodbye with Maya at the train that's completely silent. Um, Phoenix is a big shot attorney that's being followed by reporters now. And then we kind of have the Jam and Ninja case a little bit. Like, we don't yeah. get to hear... Well, our translation didn't have it. But basically, like, Larry's running a Jam and Ninja balloon situation now. And then we cut and, like, Edgeworth holds up the guitar and it glows and shit. And Matt on guards on the stand. And that's... We get the final objection. And that's it. That's, that's the movie. That's the movie. Yeah. All right. So do you guys... Do, Jesse, do you want to guess what my theory of this movie is? Um, yeah, Jesse, you gotta guess. I guess that it was a repeat of the cases as told by Gumshoe? Sort of. I think this is an intense fan fiction that Gumshoe has written, <laughs> where he is the action star, except, so, my, that's basically the theory. Michelle, did you have additional I, no, details? No, I, I basically Nelson? thought that this was, like, Gumshoe's very, very colored like, fantasy style, like, fantastical version of events. Yeah, so Gumshoe was going to, like, novelize, yeah. like, a memoir, but, like, it then it got, like, over, like, you know how they have that episode of Mob Psycho after season one, but before season two, where uh, the sensei, Reagan, Reagan yeah. writes his own memoirs and rewrites everything so that he did it? It's, yeah, it's basically a recap movie, but it's supposed to be, it's all of the events of season one, but they just kind of take Reagan's head and stick it on anyone who's doing the action. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty great. It's in that vein of that, where he just kind of over-embellishes it, almost like as if he was making a graphic novel or a children's story, like, very embellished, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, because, it, and I think it all it all works out if you think about it like that, because A, Gumshoe is suave, sexy, and badass <laughs> in this movie. He is not bumbling, he is not, like, he doesn't have any weird tension, he's like a good cop, and he looks good, and he's got his army behind him, and he's got his mascot character. Like, he's got a little bit of everything right there. The events before Gumshoe is involved are fast, clippy, and hazy. Because we get the, the trials of Gregory, or sorry, of Manfred with the, the Steel Samurai, and we get Phoenix's first case, and like they're chop, 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 chopped, right? 
So they're all like, all those details are chopped and hazy, right? Gumshoe isn't really super clear on what happened <laughs> during that time. Okay. But the stuff where Gumshoe comes in, he kicks the door open because Maya, Mia's dead. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Don't care about when she died till when I got there, right? Kicks the door <laughs> I'm there. Handcuffs out. Yeah, get it. Yeah, I got evidence gloves on. No one else in this movie wears evidence gloves. <laughs> right. It's the only yeah. time he does, but it's the only time it's important, you know? And then, like, from there, Gumshoe is technically around, so he has a lot more details, and he could feasibly have given us this much information on the cases. Um, so that's why I think it works out. Even when he's not present, he would have still had access to the details. Yeah. And then the ending where you get weird Mia's, Maya's trying to leave on the train, <laughs> and the train's not leaving, <laughs> and Phoenix is like, bye, still waving. Checking my watch, waving. See you later. See you later. And, and Maya's like, oh. Oh, but there's the doors are closed. I had something else to say, but oh, oh, like she's doing that. <laughs> yeah, but she's not saying anything. She's just like it looks like things that you know. So I think that that would that would explain some things about it. Other things I think it explains too is spirit channeling in this, which is I don't know if the Gumshoe's necessarily a spirit channel believer, because also the way we handle spirit channeling in this movie is Maya channels Mia twice. Yes, yes. Both times Mia just says. You can do it, Phoenix. It's right in front of you. Mia's not actually fucking helpful in this movie. No. At no. all. So it could be like, like, like Gumshoe could be like, Phoenix thought he saw his old, bo- like his dead old boss, but really he felt the spirit of her believing in him. You know, like, it's like, kind of like you could wave it that way, where he's like, Phoenix swears it's a ghost, but <laughs> here's the concessions I will give. So, like, that fucked me up about this movie is that, like, we don't really ever address spirit channeling. Like, in the game, Maya gets, Mia ch- gets channeled, and then after the case, Phoenix is like, what the fuck was that? And mm-hmm. Maya's like, oh, well, I come from a clan of spirit channelers, you know, and he, Phoenix is like, oh yeah, Maya mentioned that, or like, Mia mentioned that one time. And then we, like, develop it right? right in this we just don't he cha- like she channels mia we never talk about it she does it again when and then the when mia's channeled it's like a ghost overlay mm-hmm. of like a you know a spooky ghost style overlay of mia wearing the outfit it's it's like when mom channeled gregory edgeworth though it was just <laughs> like the grudge yeah um but nothing happened to her body yeah now, what I could... And her hair su- looked great. Yeah, her hair did look great. <laughs> the only thing I can suggest, which is might be giving too much credit, is how Japanese all that ghost shit was. Gregory's been dead for many years. So she had to get work to find Not his- at the time. At that time, Gregory it was had been only dead. a couple days. Yeah. Oh, uh, you're right. Not at the time. Yeah, no, never mind. He's already in line in hell. He's already <laughs> in line in hell. He was ready to get in line in hell. He was Mia's like, super oh, ready. I'll hang out. <laughs> well, she's got unfinished business. That's <laughs> okay. So, okay, never mind. Um... Take back all I was about to say. Um, that, but yeah, no, it, the ghost spirit channeling thing, not super clear. Um, in terms of actors and and looks, because that's pretty easy to say. Mia was played, or Maya was, Mia was fine. Phoenix was great. Phoenix was yes. great, and Edgeworth was great, honestly. Edgeworth was good, but the actor who played Phoenix is the best Phoenix I've seen outside of OG Phoenix. Yes, this is true. Dual Destinies and Spirit of Justice Phoenix isn't as good as that Phoenix was. I'll give you that, yeah. yeah. Anime Phoenix, garbage compared to this Phoenix. <laughs> yes, yeah. Like, this handled the th- a lot of the things that the anime had to deal with um, better than yes, how the yes. anime dealt with, like, like the it, breakdowns and stuff. Yes. 
Or at least Phoenix having a breakdown in the, in the corner. Yeah, Phoenix having a breakdown in the corner, and this is, uh, uh, wait a second! Uh, uh. In the anime, he just goes in the middle of the floor and screams. Yeah, and he really played it like a novice attorney. Like, uh, like not that, like, shit was hard. It's just that Phoenix didn't possess the ability to handle these things. And the yeah. way they did that, it was, like, a lot of the times when he was all panicky. Um, when Edgeworth was there, Edgeworth did the basic court stuff. Like, it was basically, like, Phoenix never learned how to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when it was, like, contempt of court. Like, Phoenix didn't object. He was just agape. And that's when Edgeworth broke in and objected and was like, the actual person who committed the contempt was that one, not yeah. this one. You know, like, that... So that was really... I thought that was really well done. Yeah, I thought Phoenix was great. The girl who played Maya was far too old and tall, and I feel bad for her wig and her outfit. But her lip gloss was popping. Her lip gloss was popping. <laughs> Um, it was just really unfortunate. And, like, the one thing with her is, because you know how bubbly Maya is. It was a different Maya. It was a different Maya, but, because, like, watching the behind-the-scenes stuff, she was a lot more bubbly. We did not all watch that. We didn't that. watch the behind-the-scenes stuff. You, you can't yeah. throw that, that curveball at we us. We had to watch two and a half hours of movie, <laughs> which we had to pause multiple times so I could, t- one, take notes, and two, eat food, eat, and eat three, dinner. cope with our live, uh, you know, with our, our feelings. With our situ- we had to pause it every ten minutes to be like, how the fuck is there still an hour and a half left? <laughs> <laughs> um, the actress might be, like, a very joyful person, but the the Maya she played, and I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing, is that this was a different Maya than the game series Maya. Which, sometimes I liked that. Like, when she had her little freak-out meltdown and yelled mm-hmm. at Red White and was like, why'd you kill my sister? Why'd you kill my mom? Like, why'd you destroy my mom? Why Why, why did this everything? happen? Like, that was better. Yeah. yeah. I would have loved that in the game yeah. but they didn't you know we couldn't i think it just like it the, the only problem is it didn't trans the wasn't translating was you had an adult woman trying to play a <laughs> a, a, a young teen girl and it just like kind of wasn't coalescing and she was also wearing a fox mink because th- they did note hey it's winter in japan maybe they should wear coats where phoenix is wearing his the miracle never happened trench coat the entire movie <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. it looks good. But it looks so good. Yeah, it looks good. Uh, meanwhile, Miles Edwards is wearing crushed velvet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was crushed. I, it was, yeah, it was not pure velvet. It was maybe like a, a velour or something. But I don't, it wasn't, but it, it was velvet-ish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Manfred's outfit didn't really work for me. Manfred looked like dog shit, like yeah. the whole time. And I don't I, think the actor was bad. Though. No, 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 the actor was fine, but like Manfred just doesn't, real life Manfred just doesn't look yeah. Good. Gumshoe, um, like I said, looks great. Gumshoe looks like 21 and that he just ran his first marathon. Yeah. The other thing, too, about the Gumshoe, or the Gumshoe, this is Gumshoe's fanfic, is that Blue Badger bit, they can only explain it of, like, it was no longer important to Gumshoe, so it literally <laughs> fell off the courts. That's the big, like, there's some big unexplained stuff, and honestly, like, it doesn't. It's for comedic effect. It's not going to keep me up at night. Like the 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 way that this movie incorporates the whimsy of Ace Attorney is very peculiar. Like it is definitely somebody who is a horror movie person's idea of what playfulness is. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> honestly, like doesn't track. Like it doesn't make like oh, there's a mascot character and then they just disappear and it's like oh, you had to get your horror shit in here, didn't you? It's not even that they stopped being there. They were dangling from the judge's gavel and then fell and then the head popped off and there was no one in there. Yes. We saw that happen. Yes. That's not whimsy. 
That's terrifying. <laughs> no, the Blue Badger being a mascot character who follows the police around is the whimsy. whimsy. And then you had to get your horror shit in it because you're a horror person, which yeah. is, like, fine. Um, and then other whimsy is, like, everyone in the gallery is a cross between, like, a K-pop band and, like, Shibuya street fashion. It's like when a six-year-old has a costume box. Yeah, that's and what the gallery looks like. all of the like. clothes that they're in the costume box. That's what every member of the gallery looks like. Yeah. Yes. And sometimes their hair was all funky, like, devil horns and stuff. Like, it was, like, the gallery was a lot of the, like, that version of whimsy, too. Yeah. Is because anytime anything happened, the gallery would freak the fuck out. Um, I, do, I do appreciate, like, the way that the movie structured, like, those first two cases. Even though it was, like, kind of cut real choppy. I like that we got a little D. Vasquez, even though, because it's not important to the, yeah. the story they were telling. And the whole, like, here's your thinker statue bit. Like, Frank Saad's hair was hanging off his head, but we didn't have to talk about it. Time out for a second. Because we get the, so the, the if anyone's seen clips of this movie but hasn't seen it, like, the, how court happens is it's all on big old, like, holographic screens. Yeah. That they can literally throw at each other to do damage, which is pretty good. I think it's I, amazing. Like, I think it's good. But anyway, so the, the only crime in regards to the holographic screens is at one point we get a giant holographic thinker statue. Which has divots oh, on the butt the that are speakers. <laughs> that is where the speaker for it is. I was so upset yeah. about the butt yep. divots. We yep. were taking notes and trying to not talk during the movie so we could have the discussion here. And Michelle went, huh, and she just wrote it down. <laughs> I had the same note. I was just oh like, God. oh, I'll just write that note down. Everyone else got it. You're right, though. Oh, I yeah, the skull and... and the, the holographic notes were, were the holographic, like, throwing evidence and, like, oh, look, it keys in on the dates and it rearranges it so it's popping in your face, Judge. Yeah. It was really good. And I liked that when they flashed backwards to the Gregory Edgeworth case, the technology was downgraded. Which is pretty good. Which like, was it was really, really good. Um, no one still wears evidence. Like, the thing is, the evidence is half holographic, half literal pieces of paper, and no one wears uh, gloves. <laughs> well, but there, it was, like, photocopies. Uh, except when Phoenix reaches into the thing and pulls out a bullet <laughs> with his bare hand to okay, throw it Okay, yeah, I mean, that was... The thinker statue he just held. Right, okay, that's fair. Um, we don't hold any bloody knives, but... Yeah, but we shove those in our pockets anyway. Um, another whimsy thing that I have in my notes is when Red White is telling the story of how he witnessed the murder, he's having a cup of tea, <laughs> He takes half a lemon and, and just, just crushes crushed. it with his fit, like a fistful of lemon into his teacup, which was really fucking good. In that scene, too, I appreciate, like, well, well, the actress who played Mia was, like, twitching, question mark. I like how she didn't die in the classic Mia pose, because I hate that pose. Yeah. She died in the middle of the ground like she would have. Like she would have. Um, I'll say another thing structurally about the movie, I suppose, which Jing popped in for a little bit and said this very thing, which is that this music, the music in this movie is very, very not there most of the time. Like, when it's a high tension part, like when we're sneaking into the shack or when Mia's gonna die or whatever, we have spooky sound effect music, like Mm -hmm. the, like, building tension sort of make you feel things music. Otherwise, it's generally silent like the mostly this movie is completely silent and then at the end the end 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 we get some really nice soft instrumental versions of like the of victory theme but they're a little slower like we get some good soft like the the music is there and it's good we just don't fucking use it for most of the like we We just don't don't. we get a sting of the steel samurai for like a hot second yeah Yeah. and And we we get a little bit like towards the end of each court case before we got yeah we got small stings of 
of some music, but like three songs max. But yeah. you know when it would be really good to have music is all of the times when Phoenix is flipping through books. Like yeah. that's when you have some music to keep me interested or but, like build tension or communicate. Like music in movies is to communicate feelings to people, right? How do I feel about this? And so dead ass silence while Phoenix flips through a book tells me nothing. Yeah. Horror. That's the horror boy. That's, That's like, the horror the, boy. Uh, speaking of horror boy, I guess we'll talk about the second movie within this movie, the Yanni Yogi movie story. It was its own movie. <laughs> Yanni yes. Yogi, the way Yanni Yogi's flashback, like, romance with him and his wife and her ultimately killing herself, A, super Japanese. B, super tragic Japanese classic, like, like if you were a Japanese studies person, you're like, mm, because it was just so, <laughs> like, that is a classic Japanese love and story. Right. And her becoming, like, a ghost with a birdcage on, I'm like, that's super Japanese. Yeah. Um, apparently, according to Jesse, it broke our friend Anthony, um, like, emotionally. And I could see how one would think that if it wasn't in the middle of this other movie. Right. I think it is a very sad story, and it is a very, like, intense story. But, like, there are parts of this movie that are really good scenes. Like, I'm like, oh, you fleshed out a scene of the game. This is exactly what I want out of an Ace Attorney uh, expansion, essentially. Like, right. I want to see the action of people running away and then actually, like, getting shot kind of deal. Uh, I don't want to see... Edward's boat scene was the most awkward, clunky, <laughs> weird, staged boat I've ever seen. It looked like, like a high school production boat. Right. It was very strange. It was not very well executed, that part. But And a lot of the movie, unfortunately, felt, like, stapled together to get through it. But not in a way that felt like the anime where you feel like, gotta hit the beat, gotta get the evidence, gotta get the evidence. Like, we just fucked most of the evidence, and it worked out just fine. Yeah. Let me see if I have any other pressing notes. Yeah, I didn't have, I don't, I don't think I have much more. I have some choice quotes, like, You had that when, thing about a skull, Jesse. Oh, yeah, in Manfred von Karma's office, he had this weird skull just... There. It was like an animal skull. Yeah, but what animal? What animal was It was that? really big. I don't know what it, it was. It was big and curved, and it was like... Not a rhinoceros, but similar shape, maybe. Like, more squished. It didn't have the horn. Yeah. Maybe like a capybara. But, Jesse, I think that you had another thing you were about to say. Oh. Uh, I now understand Phoenix's trauma, because just hearing all of those children yelling at him, it's like, okay, this makes sense now. <laughs> the, the one thing I, I brought up at the very beginning of this podcast and have not touched about is it looks like, first off, I am... Sad for myself to have to admit this, but I think it's good that I, I am open with our audience. <laughs> this is an amazing Larry Butts, and I love him. I love this Larry, <laughs> yes. I mean, like, I hate Larry, generally speaking, but... This I, Larry? This Larry... Was great. Fully committed to being Larry in every Larry-like way, and it... <sighs> Fucking was great. But he wasn't gross. He was just a doofus. Well, because we didn't have any, like, women around. We did, and it was me, and he was respectful. It yeah. was great. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it was weird, because he was being weird about it, but it was great, because yeah. he was not being, he was being, hey, my third, my, my idiot best friend from elementary school, Larry Buds, building a metal detector and keeping a single job, even if it is a shack job next to a lake. Right. But he was also, you. like, in the gallery every day, screaming and doing <laughs> pratfalls and shit, like, yeah. in the background. And then, like, when Phoenix is, like, having a panic attack at one point, um, Larry's in the back, like, I, I, in my notes, I wrote, having a baby. Because... <laughs> Because if you told someone to act like they were having a baby, those are the faces they make. Like, lots of, like, open mouth, like, uh, silent gaping and, scre like, screaming silently. 
which is sometimes during this movie, I thought maybe they had somebody else's face on Larry because it looked like he aged 60 years. And I'm sure it was just the single actor, but like he would look like a normal young man and then he would just like be in a certain light or do something with his face. And I'm like, how old are you? I'm willing to bet that that was like bad makeup on one day that just fucked up the whole situation. It probably would. Speaking of bad, Gregory, Gregory Edgeworth's mustache, bad. It's a bad mustache. So I think they did that to, like, make him... Look different. Like the 70s, right? Or something. Like, they tried to... It was trying to make him be reflective of a, a different fashion era, if that makes sense. I think they did it to make him look distinct... Like, a distinct different person. Yeah, maybe. That's what I think they did it for. Yeah. Um, that would be a better reason, but no one else looks distinctly of an era. No, no. Manfred von Karma looks exactly <laughs> the, the fucking same. same. In the trial with Edgeworth... Or no, Gregory and Miles, same... Just couldn't do it with Manfred. Couldn't make him look any different. No, and he, like other shitty things was uh, Manfred's hair. Manfred's hair was bad. Um, Edgeworth's I, bangs were good, but the back kind of failed out. The back the looked back bad. Was bad. Phoenix's hair was good. I thought Phoenix's hair was really believable, honestly. I was like, if that's how a real person would have had that hairline, that's like, that's it. This is it. This is the best Phoenix hair that like a human could have. Right. The only little bit was the bottom part was just down. Yeah. yeah. That should have been poofed up a poofed little up, bit. But yeah. I could, I bet you they, like that actor probably has a cowlick of some kind or like they just couldn't get it. Like wouldn't do it. Right. So they're like, this is fine. Especially in this universe where people come to court wearing two wigs on their head. Like, yeah. <laughs> It, like his hair was perfectly believable. Like Phoenix looked great. Um, sometimes I could see his microphone wire in the back of his suit jacket, which meant uh. it was very tight. But other than that, like great. I was really sad when, like, at Manfred's break, kind That's of, because Manfred's break was like quiet and somber and serious. It was and... like an. It was just an. He became an old man. Yeah, and that's one way of being pitiful. Um, as we all feel as we get old. Uh, but I really, like, Manfred that is calm, cool, and collected, but secretly full of rage is more terrifying to me. Like, mm-hmm. is more, fu- like, a cold, calculating bottle of pure fury is mm-hmm. more threatening to me. So when he snaps and beats his head against the wall in the game, like, you're like, this guy's fucked up. It's yeah, like, like the feeling that, that I get. That, like, yeah, there's a feeling of, like, fear from that Manfred, because he's, like, even though he's lost, he's still a threat. Yeah, and I think, like, they wanted to communicate the message of, like, of what the I... idea of prosecutors um, being a, a guard against, like, a first society, right? Like, mm-hmm. which basically they wanted to demonize that specific worldview, because that's, like, a real worldview. Yeah. And I think that they could have done that in a better way. Which is when Phoenix and Maya and Edgeworth are talking. Like, they could have had him do his rage break. And then they could have had Edgeworth be like, I always thought that I had to win every trial just like him. Because I thought that I was the gatekeeper. You know, I thought that I had to protect society. And then Phoenix is like, well, you know, what we saw today was the truth and the power of the truth. You know, Mm -hmm. we could have had that moment to still communicate that that worldview is not good. But understandable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As opposed to being like our heartless villain who tases people inside of horror movie shacks. Yeah. Is got this like, you know, is is totally a logical, normal human being just with a, a not correct worldview. Right. Right. That's what it communicated to me. And not like. We kind of hand waved the whole being tased thing. Yeah. yeah. We didn't. <laughs> we don't know who tased him. But we, I mean, we know. We know. We know because we, we played the game. 
somebody watching this movie without playing the games would be fucked. They would. They would. Yeah. They could probably like assume. Like they would probably like yeah. What fuck that tasting was fucked up. They're, and like I was probably the bad the the bad guy maybe or actually they probably I think it was Johnny Yogi. Yogi. Yeah. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Huh. They'd probably be real confused by the spirit channeling. Yeah. Did they Which is why I think they did it that way, where it's like a vague ghost of Phoenix belief rather than a real. They just didn't want to get into it. Yeah, I think so. I think, and I, I don't think it was necessarily a bad way to handle it. I just think it's a little cheap. Well, or we it just was a little cheapening. We just stuffed so much in this movie. We did, which like, I'm actually surprised it's as good as it is for how much content it covered in two a hours. Lot. There's yeah, so considering much. the anime. We said it was like a whiplash, <laughs> and we were wrong. Right, yeah. Um, but... The thing also about Manfred's break was they did a bunch of interesting camera cuts, which we thought we were watching, like, it was skip... Our our our, our torrent was skipping. Our, our totally legally <laughs> obtained torrent. Yeah. <laughs> was skipping, but no, 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 it wasn't. It was actually, that was, like, the way it was cut. And, like, sometimes they did, like, really cool camera things where they swivel around and pause. Really, And swivel yeah. back, and I'm like, that shit was... Dope. Yeah. And, like, the Manfred, like, break with the cuts really could have been impactful, but the tenor of his speech wasn't matching, like, the intensity of the cuts. Right. So that one fell through. But I'm like, this movie, if I could, like, if I was a test audience and they're like, what could we do to improve this movie? I'd be like, do that dope shit more. Give me more of those, like, throwing evidence at each other on screens more because yeah. that shit was dope. I was calling those in my notes Speed Racer cuts. If anyone's <laughs> seen the Speed Racer movie, um, oh. it, that's what it felt yeah. like to me. And I'm into I'm into that shit. I am totally 100% pro Speed Racer movie. I like um, and movie. I was when it came out, even though people called me a stoner. I don't <laughs> care. Speed Racer movie rules. Anyway. Um, I haven't seen the movie, but, like, I'm in, like, I even though, like, it does date the movie, like, the movie yes. does feel dated because of the graphics, but I don't think it was... Bad. No, yeah. and we did less, like, we minimized our use of full-ass CGI, yes. um, and that, I think, will help benefit it, as opposed to the Speed Racer movie, which has not aged well. It, <laughs> it has aged like a fine yogurt, <laughs> but um, I still love it here in 2019. Um, I watched it recently. What I needed to match those cuts was man that Manfred, so, like, we like the Larry because Larry went full- mm-hmm. Full ham. Like, mm-hmm. he is just chewing the scenery. He's chewed it all. It's all covered in Larry spit, right? <laughs> so we needed that We needed that Manfred to lean the fuck in. Like, mm-hmm. just lean. Like, you've seen this movie, Manfred. Like, you know what you're wearing. Just lean in and go as ham as possible, right? Like, over dramatic. That, um, that's, what, that's what Ace Attorney is. And instead, he, like, softened. went, went, he went, like, this is my Atticus Finch moment, basically. He went yeah. my, like, this is my dignified, dramatic attorney moment. What? Um, it would have been interesting if you'd had, like, both of those with the cuts. That's true. It's like, play it one, play one straight, and play one, like, fucking um, snidely whiplash, dude. I'm saying, like, go full crazy. Um, but he, he played them both sides to towards the middle and yeah. the thing that really like i also thought undercut it was at the very end when he goes take him out like take him the judge goes takes him out and he he gets handed his cane and he, th- he flips it under his arm so his tenor was i'm an Atticus Atticus finch old man yeah but i'm still strong and i'm still right i don't need this cane to walk because i can hold my head up high and walk right. out of here which seems very japanese to me <laughs> it's very japanese but also defeats the purpose of defeating manfred yeah von Karma. like especially in Ace attorney we call them breaks like yeah. we call like the villain break animation like manfred leaves this movie unbroken mm-hmm. he does have a tick 
which is he smooths his hair behind his ear, which I liked that they had the tick, yeah. but it ultimately didn't mean anything. His hair got disheveled at a point, and I was yeah. like, that just looks bad. Right. It's yeah. not a communicating thing to me. It looks like your hair's just disheveled. Well, it did. It the, his hair disheveled communicated like he was at his like at the at his it's last like, straw. You yeah. know, like at his last at the end of his rope. Right. So I appreciated the use of a tick, but it was the only one yeah. we get in the movie, basically. So it's kind of a lost touch. Yeah, and I think that was really cool, though. Like, I mean, you could see with pain and saw it though. Like the few defendants yeah. we did have that they would get haggard. Yeah, DeVasquez um, does it too in her 30 she seconds. She does, yeah. yeah. She doesn't break her pipe, but no. I would have liked that. I loved the scene, this is me though, I love the scene where they like zoomed in on her puffing on her pipe, where yeah. she's cool and collected, and then five seconds, and then like within the five seconds, she's like, I didn't do it. Like yeah. she's like snapping. Which is very good. Like, but I love the snap, so I'm really sad that we didn't get it. Speaking of snap, yeah. Miles does a dumb thing where he like, <laughs> he puts one arm and snaps and follows it up with the other, and it's almost like a... What is this? Like a patty cake? Roll? No, it's like a, like a baker's man Macarena? roll. Macarena? No. Because like, it's... It's very much a combination of, like, Manfred... Not Manfred. Um, Franzi and Edgeworth. Yeah. Like, it's a very Franzi move. Yeah. I, I think. I, I liked it. It was cool, but it was random. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know. They just didn't want to have his normal, like... That's With the fair. finger in front of his face, because that... Um, Maybe just didn't fucking look good in real life. He probably didn't. Uh, there was much less finger tapping, yeah, to the head. Yeah. There was none of that. I don't know. I thought it was a fairly enjoyable movie, even though it was bonkers. I would recommend it, but it's not like you can get it anywhere but Japan. Yeah. <laughs> but I would recommend Like, I, uh, don't watch the anime. Watch that. Well, watch the train case in the anime. Watch the three episodes <laughs> of the train case, because that's fucking crazy. And then when you're like, that was fucking crazy, watch this movie, and you'll be like, that was a... That was a, a gumshoe fanfic. That was a pretty good gumshoe fanfic adaptation. Yeah. That was my takeaway on the movie. It was a fun time watching it the second time. I forgot so much. Still enjoyed it. We knew you would. Yeah. Jessie was very confident she remembered this whole movie. No, I wasn't. She was very confident she I remembered two specific She remembered scenes. hell happened. She did remember. Jessie's been telling us for days that the movie opens in hell. And What's it didn't. Like- it. it opened in Korean. <laughs> it opened in the Korean channeling room. And I was like, oh, is this hell? The grudge is here. And it wasn't hell. Then she we got, got hell. I thought it was going to be Phoenix being, like, bullied by the judge. Actually, last thing. How would you feel about the judge? He was too composed. For, not composed isn't the right word. Too... I couldn't decide. So I get what they were doing, which is like the judge for most of this movie was, I'll say, bored. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because how normal cases go for this judge is he sees one witness for 30 seconds and then he makes a verdict, right? Mm-hmm. So he is bored with how the justice system works. That's what they were... They were trying to make a point that like... This isn't truly justice. Nobody is engaged, right? Nobody's engaged. Oh, but you got a window as we progressed when the judge would, like the judge was always kind of favoring Manfred, but you'd get a little window of him being like, no, we're not going to keep this guilty verdict if there is more information. Our duty is to uncover the information. And and so you'd get little windows of him like actually wanting to do correct, correct justice. And then by the end of it, he's fully like, invested in uncovering the truth and i thought that was like a really subtle interesting way to play the judge it is not our old senile judge it's not he behaves much more like in my experience a real judge because a real judge is trying not to show what side of anything they're on like a judge Mm -hmm. if you think of a judge much more like a referee 
who is not there to be on either side, but is to make sure everyone's following the rules of the courtroom. Mm-hmm. So that I think that was very intentional to, to show the judge as sort of a reflection of the how the legal mm-hmm. system is being treated in the movie. Um, was it our judge? No. Would it have been better if the judge was whimsical? I don't know, because they gave it all so. to the gallery, you know? I honestly don't think it'd be better if we had our judge... But I just really couldn't get a, like, our judge, like, the judge we got in this movie felt a little too, like, it was too dry instead of, like, I'm impartial. You know, it was yeah. just, but I guess bored is. He started really bored, and I think that was yeah. on purpose. Our judge in the game is at, it behaves like he's watching a soap opera. Yeah. And this judge really looked like he was watching C-SPAN. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. that's the difference. That really was. All right, that was... I think that was the last the last one. Do we got anything else? I don't think so. I mean, we watched the movie. What else could anyone else possibly want from us? <laughs> yeah, what else? I, in the middle. So we're in the middle of the movie, right? Jing comes in because we're at Jesse's house and Jesse lives with Jing. Jing comes in and she's like, I'm only here for a little bit. Are you guys going to play Ghost Trick? And we're like, not today, Jing. <laughs> like, yeah. What could anyone want from us? It's a, in the middle of the movie we're doing for the first time in 18 years or whatever. However <laughs> long we've been doing this. Somebody rolls in and they're like, what about Ghost Trick? <laughs> and it's because she gave me Ghost trick last night <sighs> and she wants me to play it and i just got it last night i'm in the middle of finals i'm not gonna play ghost trick till december that's fine i just know what youtube comment sections feel like <laughs> <laughs> that's all like if you guys want a ghost trick lowdown we've offered it email us at object to this podcast at gmail.com also email us the answer to your homework questions which is who is the most relatable who's the most sympathetic, sympathetic or relatable, sympathetic villain in the Ace Attorney franchise. And if you think Miles Esworth enjoys Eternal Sp- Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. That's your extra credit. That's your extra credit. I will say, I've been out of school now for, since 2015 I left law school, and now I get emails on my phone continually that say, homework. <laughs> or, late homework. <laughs> I love it. As someone who's also left school since 2015 and also ditched the career of education, love it. So it's like, you know, 10, 10, 15 at night, I'm trying to get to the train from whatever goddamn event I'm at. I'm 28 years old. I look at my phone, late homework, and I'm like, fuck! (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, no, it's okay. It's okay. (laughs) Anyway, you can also send that to objectothis.tumblr.com. Thanks, Chad Out Maestro, for the Manfred music. And thanks, thanks. Dark Shadow Rage 2 off the YouTubes for the use of our theme song, Hey Pal, a Detective Gumshoe remix. It's perfect for your fanfic movie intros. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, in the meantime, I'm Stephanie. I'm Jesse. I'm Michelle. And that was Object to This, so why don't you object to that?